I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my Thoughts on Money. Hello, and welcome to Thoughts on Money. We like to call it Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. And I have two of my dear friends and colleagues, Mr. Sean Latimer. Hello. And Blaine Carver. Hello. Thanks for having me. How's everybody doing this morning? Doing great. Doing great. Sean's got a little ankle injury. Yeah. Just a scratch. I'll be all right. Just a flesh wound. <laughs> so you were going for... Who's throwing the ball to you? Uh, actually, I was playing defense, and my sister I was guarding my son, Mason. He was the receiver, and we're running. And I look up to see the ball so I can swat it away and then celebrate, of course. And as I'm running, we're in this grassy hill. I step in a hole, oh. and I'm looking up, and all my body weight's going the other way, and I just hear the loudest pop, oh, and no. I hit the deck. And I sit there and kind of assess it. And I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, it's just a sprain. And I'm like, ah, oh, this hurts a lot, though. Maybe it's broken. I hope it's not broken. And I kind of lay there for a little bit. And the worst part is where, we, where it was, it's like this big grassy hill. And I have to get back up to our car. <gasps> oh, no. And so I have to kind of, like, limp up back up there. And then that's when it started to throb. But luckily, just a sprain. So oh, He's good to go. Yep, I'm good. good here. Blaine good Carver, you're healthy? I'm healthy. Yep. Perfect. Today we're talking about an article I wrote called a capitulation situation. And I only wrote this article because I think capitulation is such a fun word. It's a very fun word to say. Yeah, it, it gives you this idea when you look at the definition of somebody like in war, mm-hmm. right? And one side finally like waves the white flag. I remember when I was younger, I don't remember who he was fighting, but Mike Tyson. This is the first time I heard this. I was, I was really young, but Mike Tyson was fighting somebody. And I think it was like in the first round, the whoever you're, who's the person in your corner? I don't know what they call them, but uh, the guy's like in the first round. This is like pay-per-view. I was with my parents, a ton of people, and the guy throws in the white towel. Like, is it, no, maybe not the white towel. Throws in the towel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In like the first round. And everybody's like, what the world? I just paid like so much money for this. And it's this idea of capitulation that somebody starts with an end goal in mind. And I'm going to argue in this article that because of a lack of endurance, they abandon ship. Yeah, it's it's when you kind of convince yourself that it's not going to, the tide won't turn, it won't get better, it's only going to get worse. And then it's almost like a negative feedback loop mentally because once you convince yourself of that, like people talk about it all the time in sports, you need to be mentally strong because if you start to even accept a little bit of defeat, it snowballs into, oh, this is getting worse and worse and worse, I better just stop now. Mm-hmm. It's almost like somebody falls in a bottomless pit when this happens because it just keeps adding on and adding on. And what you're talking about is that self-talk or that negative feedback loop can just be horrific. And you find somebody somewhere they never imagined they were going to be. And then they are paralyzed to even be able to make a decision. Yeah. I think it's just hitting a roadblock after roadblock. And eventually you just get worn out. And finally somebody decides to throw in the towel. And often I think it's because they, they don't see that momentum. They don't see the progress being made. So they just abandon ship. So what's the advice to somebody? I think it goes beyond finance, but whatever angle you want to take. Well, I I like this topic because uh, I think that the mindset that you have in your day-to-day life can really have an influence on uh, your quality of life. And if you look at, if you're looking for good things, you're going to find them. And if you're looking for bad things, you'll find those too. And so we talk about the negative feedback loop. You'll identify every roadblock, like Blaine said, and be like, oh, I knew this was a bad idea. I knew this was going to happen. I knew I shouldn't have gone here today. And you'll convince yourself a lot faster than you think. 
Uh, but it goes both ways because um, something as small as making a green light, if you look at that as like a winning streak, like, oh, today's going to be a good day. And your coffee tastes good. Like, oh, it's such a good day, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you, it's not raining and you get to work and there's no traffic. You're like, wow, it's going to be the best day ever. It's kind of my, my wife makes fun of me because uh, she says that that's kind of how I operate is happy go lucky, nothing could go wrong. And I, I learned a long time ago that, like, why would you expect something to go wrong? There's already going to be tragic and bad news in your life at some point, right? So why borrow trouble? Like, enjoy the good days. Wait, I've never heard that term before. Did you say, why borrow trouble? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I've never heard that. Is that's, that a common term? That's a thing, right? I, I, haven't, I don't think I've heard that. No, I like it, though. I'm no, going to no. use it. I'm going to use it. Uh-huh. And, I'm, you know, you remind me of somebody uh, in a movie. Have you ever seen the Lego movie? You remind me a lot of Emmett. Emmett. Yeah, exactly. I was going to bring that up. I didn't know if we're allowed to say that, but yeah, they I get made fun of a lot that I'm I'm Emmett, where every day is great. All right, what did you say? Every day is awesome? Yeah. Everything yeah. is awesome. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> when you're part of a team. I don't know. I something like that. <laughs> so here's a question for you. When you look at your life, because we used a couple of my examples in the article, but was there a time that you have in your past where you were pushing for breakthrough and you didn't get it or, or kind of like a, a moment you had to endure. Like one of the things I referenced in the article is that when you're on your journey, you kind of have to focus or not focus, but you have to keep the finish line in mind because there's foggy parts of the journey and, and you might not see the step in front of you. And that can cause people to get a little bit anxious. Is there any examples for you? Yeah. So I think of two examples, first being my personal employment, and then the second I can tie it to like an investment-related example. But uh, the first being, you know, I, I left a kind of a comfortable living uh, before I became a financial advisor. And what was interesting is uh, I didn't really like my current job, and I knew I didn't want to do it the rest of my life. But to make the switch, I was going to take kind of less than 50% of the income for a period of time. And so I had to kind of accept that. And my wife and I were married and we just had our first and we were, we were about to have Mason. And I was like, oh man, this is probably the worst time to be making a career change. And I have all this new pressure on me being a new father. And, uh, but I kind of just tried to keep looking out 10, 20 years from now and what would be better for my family? What, what would I be happier doing? And that's what helped me make the change. But there were definitely times in those first couple of years where I started to have doubts and I said, hey, did I make the right move? I mean, uh, you know, those who may not know, you, you take a lot of license exams and the way that uh, certain financial firms work is if you don't pass, they just let you go. And so I'm already having this thought like, well, if I don't pass, do I have to go get my old job back? Will they take me? And it's probably not the right mindset to have when it's a you know, win or go home situation. And then that's kind of how it was the entire time. Because then you pass, and then you have to find clients, and then you have to learn the business and get better and grow and build a business. And And now I look back, and uh, I almost am really thankful that I have – I'm almost like a delusional optimist that you know everything's going to be fine. Because you almost have to have that mindset in this type of industry when you're mm-hmm. first starting, and, and it really worked out. Um, how I tie it to an investment example is you know, you, we often get questions from clients about certain positions that have maybe done, not performed very well in a 12-month period. Mm-hmm. And and they they want to know what the plan is. Well, there's only really a few options, right? You either sell it because you've lost confidence and it's just going to continue to get worse, right? Mm-hmm. Or you believe in the fundamentals and there's a reason why you owned it. And why would you sell it at a loss? You, you know, you should hold it and see it through. Those are really the only the two options. And when you kind of talk it through someone, I think uh, when they look at those two choices, it's pretty easy for them to realize like, oh, yeah, you're right. And some other concern is uh, dissolved. 
Yeah. I want to highlight two things you said, because I think one is kind of thematic. Like you said, when you made that career change, that there was a moment of sacrifice. And then there was, you didn't use these exact words, but there was like this learning curve of like having to get the licenses and to get to that point of momentum or, or triumph that you wanted to. And I think we, I even miss that as like an advice giver sometimes, like just amongst friends, like somebody at church with a career path and stuff like that. And I'm like, I want to help them avoid that sacrifice or that time of struggle, but you have to have it, right? Like it, it, no pain, no gain, right? So yep. you have to go in that moment. So that was one thing I drew from what you said. And then the other thing that stood out to me when you kind of said there's these two different options and you, what you did, maybe not intentional, but you leaned back to, why did I buy this investment? And if that thesis still exists and it hasn't been broken, that was what you're leaning on, not the price of the security. And I think any of the listeners should look at those two things and say that that's key. Because I've seen a ton of people that get excited and they're like, I'm just like in love with this concept of dividend growth. And then 90 days later, they're like, this isn't working. And I'm like, wait a tick. <laughs> this wasn't established to work only in 90 days, right? This is a plan for 90 years. Yeah. And Sean, you, you said there's two options. I would submit there's probably a third as well. There's the option to, to keep your strategy. There's the option to essentially abandon, completely abandon, go to cash. I would submit the third option is a change of strategy. So when, when we say capitulation, it's a very financy term, basically meaning surrender, as you said, Trevor. Um, I think we often feel like it's moving from uh, stocks to cash. That's like the most extreme example, right? So if market goes down 20%, you, you start to hear talk of capitulation. So investors start calling in, they see their statements are down 20% and they say, I'm out, I can't take this anymore. But then Trevor, I, you, you can tell me if you were alluding to this in your article or not, but I feel like there's also a capitulation of a, just a change of strategy. So maybe it's the high tech, uh, you know, high flying tech stocks are going way up and your portfolio is fairly flat. You don't say, hey, I want out of the market, but you say, I want out of this thing that's not done well for 90 days. And I'm going to go to this thing that's done really well. That I, I believe is another form of capitulation. That's such a good point. And it's almost worse because if you were to go from something that hasn't done well to cash, at least you know the cash is going to be cash. It'll mm -hmm. be there, right? But instead you're selling something that's gotten beat up and you're buying something way more expensive that potentially could go back down. Yeah. And so it's almost like a double loss. Mm -hmm. You sold something at a loss to buy something that has already done well. Yeah, I used a really technical term in the article, so hopefully I didn't like talk over somebody's head, but I think we call that flipping and flopping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I laughed when I read that. So I, what we, we, the hard part about that too, I think about, we won't name any companies on the podcast, right? But I, I can name some like really well-known companies that in, in 2021, they were up 50%. And then in 2022, they were down 70%. And then now in 2023, they're up 90%. And when people talk about like owning those type of companies, I'm like, I drive that vehicle. I don't know what's changed about that company in three different years beyond somebody playing hot potato, right? Beyond somebody really liking the CEO for a moment, and then they don't like him so much. And there's this kind of, I mean, it's volatility but it's, it's like a bipolarness to markets. And uh, Benjamin Graham, the professor of Warren Buffett, he talked about this a lot about how Mr. Market, how he, that's what he calls it in his book, basically comes to your door every day knocking to, to either overpay for the company you own or underpay. And there's these emotions that just get so drastic. 
Yeah, I think, I believe it's a Warren Buffett quote, but he says the market is the most efficient mechanism of transferring wealth from the impatient to the patient. I hope I got that right. But uh, it makes me think about, about what you said. And it's interesting. We've talked about this a lot on Thoughts on Money lately. Sean gave a great example. But it's funny how investing can relate so much to life, right? Because when I opened this article, I did three sections. I did my friend, my brother, and me. And what I talked about with my friend, I have a good friend. He's incredibly intelligent. And he's a fun person to be around. And he hasn't gotten any traction on a career path. And I've, I've walked along with him. And at first I was like, ah, bad luck. You know, it's just, he's just not finding his groove. And then at one point I told him, you just got to stick with something. You want to be a locksmith? It's fine. Just be great at it. You know what I mean? What he was doing is he wasn't getting through that learning curve. And then he was flip-flopping. He was, I'm going to go do this now. I'm going to go do this now. And the worst part is he would use justifications, right? Like, more time with family, this is important, or they were trying to push me this, or morally that, which I'm sure there's a lot of truth there. But there was something thematic there that he was avoiding talking about. So that was my friend. And then I talked about my brother. If you've read uh, my article called A Tale of Two Brothers, you know that my brother has had a tough life. And I am absolutely convinced that the best advice that I've ever given my brother was when I told him, dude, you just need to string together a handful of good decisions because you've made some good decisions in life. I can highlight them. The problem is that you didn't back that up with another good decision and good decisions compound, right? He got to that point that, that you talked about, Sean, where there was a little bit of pain and then he went back to his old ways and then he found himself two steps backwards. Yeah, and you kind of mentioned it like uh, with your friend that getting through the learning curve, it's a sacrifice, you know, where maybe it's less time with family or maybe it's less time with your friends or doing something fun or maybe you don't have the resources to go do those fun things that you used to and it is a sacrifice and you kind of have to see it through and uh, there's there's always like tons of good examples of like actors or comedians or golfers that didn't make it for years. They're like barely getting by and then they have that one breakout win or that one part and then they made it big. And I love hearing those stories. Like I heard one recently of a comedian. He was like, yeah, I was about to quit. I was making no money. It, it was like painful. My family was like starting to make fun of me. They've been trying to do this for six years. It's not working. And then I got booked for this huge part. And then I went viral and now he made like $25 million in a year. And it's like his earnings the year before was like 25,000. And it's like, wow, I love stories like that. Mm-hmm. It's like the overnight success, which took two decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. The iceberg phenomenon, I think they call it, right? You, you see the, the little bit of the iceberg that's out of the water, but in reality, there's 90% of the iceberg under the water. And that's all the hard work, the blood, sweat, the you know, frustrations, the, the disappointments that most people don't see. They just see the success over the water. I like what Sean referenced too is, he called it delusional optimism. But mm-hmm. in the article, I, I had trouble articulating this, but it was, I, I was getting this visual that like, hey, we're all on a journey, right? You, you absolutely know where you've been and you know where you want to get to. But there's times where you just don't have clarity on how you get from the current position to the finish line, right? Whether it's, fog or whatever you want to call it they're just those circumstances it's like what am i doing i was in a similar place i wasn't married yet but i knew that i wanted to do a similar career change that you're referencing and i wanted to be a financial advisor i remember my my best friend asked me 
why in the world do you want to do that? And I'm like, I don't know. That's just, that's just what I want to do. And I couldn't get any job in finance. And I, I, I joke around that every application was like experience required. And I was like, well, that's great. If you could hire me, I would have experience. Yeah. So I started as a teller at a bank. And I, I don't say that demeaning to, to anybody that's a teller, but that's not where I wanted to be. It's not what I wanted to do. And literally, I'm not going to fib to you on this podcast. It was like one of the most depressing times in my life when I worked in retail banking. I, I don't use this word loosely, but I hated it. I just absolutely hated it. And now I look where I am now, and I absolutely love it. And I look at some of my colleagues, uh, Nate Straw and Drew Dill, and I wouldn't know those two gentlemen if I didn't spend that season in the desert. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So am I being a little dramatic? Fair enough. I'm just telling you, when I was living in it, um, about to get married, wanting to be a good provider for my wife, I was like, what am I doing? I I had a high school... Uh, student reach out to me recently. He wants to be a financial advisor. That's kind of his, his end career goal. He, he basically asked me for advice. And one of the things I, I said to him, among other things, was essentially be willing to do the dirty work. Because number one, you often can't get a job without being willing to do that. But two, you just build this momentum. You, you build a foundation of, of hard work, of perseverance, of, of showing your employer and, and your customers, clients, that you're willing to do whatever it takes. And it's often not fun. It's it's not the glamorous you know thing we want to do, but it, it helps build that momentum. You're stacking small wins to eventually get to where you want to go. Yeah, and I should uh, take this opportunity to give Trevor credit because he is actually the person that got me hired at our past employer and put me on the path to become a financial advisor. Now, granted, I think he did it because I get some sort of referral bonus, <laughs> but it all worked I out just really needed well. A friend at work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think there's something here, too, as the three of us all have young kids, mm-hmm. right? We all have three kids. Yeah. Yeah. There you yeah. Go. So we all have young kids, and we're going to have a front row seat, and we're going to have to let them go through those tough times. That's right? hard. Because we're, we're, we're noticing that when we look at our past, oh, really uncomfortable, could be a depressing, could be a season of my life I hated, oh, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Mm-hmm. So I think there's... There's that life application. And then also as an investor, you have to think about that too. One of the things, and we can kind of lean into this conversation here and kind of close out with it, but one of the things you have to look at is why did I choose this investment strategy? Because if you don't have a strong conviction, you're going to be flipping and flopping. And what I we joked around about high-flying tech stocks or whatever mm-hmm. it is, that 2021, 2022, 2023, that was the story, yeah. right? Like the high highs and low lows and where's the right entry point. And I'll, I'll tell you, if, if you own an investment that's down 40%, you better have some conviction because you're, you're right on the edge of capitulation. One more uh, side note, kind of a funny story. So I have a nine-year-old, Mason, and uh, I liked how you brought up in your article how when you're a kid, maybe you want to be an astronaut or a firefighter. And he does this all the time. We'll be in the car and he's like, Hey, Dad, why, um, why don't you have a private plane? And I was like, oh, well, they're really expensive and it's not very realistic. And he's like, oh, I'm going to have a private plane because I'm going to play in the MLB and I'm going to be a professional baseball player. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, well, what if base- I never want to be this person. But I'm like, you have a backup plan? Like, what well, if baseball doesn't work out? He's like, oh, yeah, I'll be the quarterback for the Chargers in the NFL if that doesn't work out. He's like, I'm going to have a huge house. I'm going to have this. I'm going to have that. And, and I'm just sitting there just kind of laughing to myself like, Maybe he's a delusional optimist too, you know what I mean? But I, uh, I'm definitely not going to be the one to burst this bubble. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I, I think one takeaway from this article is just that we as humans need to see progress. And so I, I, this is a silly example, but I was thinking about clicking on a video, you know, like YouTube or whatever, and a, a new web page pops up and it's just like the square and you don't see anything loading. In reality, something is loading, but you can't see any progress. I don't know about you guys, but within about five seconds, I'm exiting out because yeah. I, I can't see, I don't know when it's going to load. Contrast that to a, a video I click on, opens a new new web browser. Even if it takes you know a full minute, if you see that little loading circle, I, I'm willing to wait <laughs> because I know that eventually it's going to get to where I want to go. And so I think about that with our investing Um especially with a dividend growth strategy, what, what I often highlight, I know what you two often highlight is you look at a history of the last five years, maybe and a couple of those years might be negative. Most of them should be positive. We don't like to see negative, but if you look on the right side of that column, we have a, tr- uh, a column that says dividends and interest. And almost always the dividends and interest is incrementally increasing going up. And so what we like to highlight is this fact of, Hey, even if it doesn't seem like there's progress being made, maybe in the last 18 months, it's been a challenging market. There is progress being made. You can see the dividends and interest increasing each year. I think what you just described too is like the key to customer service, right? A restaurant could take a long time if the waiter or waitress is giving you checkpoints Mm -hmm. and understanding and, hey, here's where we're at, you know what I mean? Just not being talked to and not seeing that loading. I agree with that like so much. And the nice thing, even what you're referencing, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but something roughly, right? We can, we can provide this if you want to email me. But roughly over the last like 60 or 70 years, you can find a lot of times, I think 14 times or something, where the market, you know, the S&P 500, uh, the price went down. Mm-hmm. It was less than the year before. But then you go to that dividend column, and even the S&P 500, it is rare, is a lot less likely for dividends to decrease year over year than it is stock prices. And what you're doing right there unknowingly is you're putting sentiment right next to fundamentals. Hmm. And what I mean there is stock prices are driven by Mr. Market, you and I, fear and greed. Like they can go pretty far swings one way to the other. Fundamentals, right? The actual underlying cash flow and balance sheet of the business, that's what's driving dividends, right? Somebody behind the scenes that knows the business intimately mm-hmm. and is making a decision on what profits they want to share with the shareholders. So I, I love that you highlighted that because I've been in so many situations in life where I'm like, hey, I'm the customer. If you would just give me clarity on where we're going next, and you did a great job, Blaine, I'll highlight you at the Monster Group, is you helped the creation of showing a new client, here's the path, here's the next five or six things that are going to happen. Mm. And I think being able to forecast that for somebody, not forecast the outcome of the investments, because uh, mm. that is not possible, but to forecast what's going to happen. Mm. Yeah, I have nothing to add. That was good. <laughs> Well, I don't know why this reminds me of this. It's such a bad thing to reference, but have you guys ever seen the movie Taken? Yes. <laughs> so I always think about when she's lying under the bed and she's got her phone and Liam Neeson's like giving her advice. Yeah. And then he's like, and, and next, I don't know what yeah. he says, but they're going to yeah. take you, right? Yes. So like what he's doing is he's like laying out the steps that are going to happen. And then he has a plan in his head. He knows what he's going to do. He's going to save his daughter. Mm-hmm. So I almost find myself doing something similar to say like for any investor hey maybe we've gotten through four or five years of 
blissful results, mm-hmm. right? What's around the corner? I know how markets work. Like you're going to be taken at some point. <laughs> so we have to talk about it in the moment right now where things are happy-go-lucky and Emmett is singing a song that everything is awesome. But we have to take a check on reality. This type of portfolio can behave like this. And then you can throw a timeline or what like, but like, I don't know, every five, six, seven years, this thing is going to want, like make you want to pull your hair out. And that's what I'm here for. I'm just picturing Trevor saying, I have a special set of skills. (laughs) (laughs) Whispering like Liam Neeson. (laughs) You know, it's funny, the delusional optimism works because um, especially for accumulators, people are still saving. Uh, A large correction is almost welcomed Mm because you're reinvesting into more shares at a better price. But then I also, I do say this to people that I'm a delusional optimist. And so, you know, hopefully that that way they don't think I'm trying to sidestep the question or something like that. I think we should absolutely reference that the two movies that we've talked about today both star Liam Neeson because oh, I think yeah. he is Batman. Batman? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. That's impressive. With that, we've gotten way far off the topic of finances. Hopefully you enjoyed the podcast today. An easy way to get a hold of Blaine, Sean, or myself, Trevor, would be to email us. Uh, easy email for you to remember. Tom, T-O-M, at thebonsagroup.com. We'd love your feedback and your questions. We'd ask a favor that you'd rate the podcast five stars or preferred. You can leave comments there as well. And we'll be back next week with more of our Thoughts on Money. Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.